Hello and welcome to the Lemon Tree Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allison Sukameli. Each week, I'll be taking the science of positive psychology, adding a little humor, and through evidence-based research, provide you with tools and strategies to help you live a life of peace and purpose. In this episode, I will be talking about the three kinds of love you will experience throughout your life, self-positivity bias, and self-love versus narcissism. But first, if you're interested, social media links, my website, and other information can be found at thelemontreecoaching.com. You can also click the link in the podcast bio. And if you'd like some daily inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at thelemontreecoaching. I post quotes and make book recommendations from time to time. Currently in my reading stack this week, only to name a couple, I have Glass Hearts and Broken Promises by Kayla McAuliffe, which is a book of poetry that I highly recommend. Be sure to read the introduction. McAuliffe introduces herself, and there are many lessons and insights just within her introduction. And what I've read so far certainly coincides with this week's topic on three kinds of love in your life. Another one in my stack this week, or one I'm reading in my classroom during silent reading, after I take attendance, get my students situated, handle the tardies, and all the other teacher things that pop up, is The Will to Meaning, Foundations and Applications of Logotherapy by Victor E. Frankel. He is also the author of Man's Search for Meaning, which I highly recommend. And a quick note, if you do silent reading in the classroom, I currently do it for 15 minutes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays with corresponding weekly assignments, but a key element to making it successful is to also model the behavior for students and not use it as a time to catch up on grading, emails, or be on your phone. I've witnessed these behaviors throughout the last 24 years of my career, and it doesn't really resonate with students. Also, if students see you reading, I've learned that they often take note of what you are reading and how many books they see you read. It's really cute and may provoke some interesting conversations. Of course, doing silent reading in the classroom will always be a work in progress and never perfect. You just have to figure out what works best for you and your students. And teachers, you may want to check out my TPT shop called The Lemon Tree by AKS. There are some free lessons you can download or explore the shop for more. And on February 6th and 7th of 2024, my shop is having the February sale and everything is 20% off in addition to items that are free year round. So check it out. My shop is The Lemon Tree by AKS on TeachersPayTeachers.com. And you can find a direct link in the podcast bio or the podcast website at TheLemonTreeCoaching.com. Okay, with that said, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Lemon Tree Coaching Podcast. A quick correction that I want to make in connection with last week's episode. I mentioned the valuable resource laurashouse.org, which I'm still recommending you take a look at. However, when I spelled out the site name in the last episode, I left the E off of house. So I wanted to make this quick correction and laurashouse.org is spelled L-A-U-R-A-S-H-O-U-S-E dot org, laurashouse.org. Hopefully you were still able to find the valuable resources, even though I misspoke last week. 
Shifting into this week's topic, three kinds of love that we will experience throughout our lives, I think the subject matter or explanation will vary depending on who you ask. I'm going to be talking about the first kind of love, which is your first love ever, the second kind of love that shows you what love is, and the third kind, which is self-love, or what I like to call the return to yourself. So let's begin with the first kind of love or your first love, which usually occurs in adolescence or before you can clearly define or truly know what love is, or perhaps even distinguish it from things like infatuation, obsession, or other unhealthy versions that we label as love. I'm sure as soon as I said the phrase first love, everyone's mind jumped immediately to a particular person, maybe a feeling, a place, your first kiss even. A true first love provokes many vivid feelings that are easy to remember due to the intense hormones that we are feeling at the time until they are taken away. A first love is usually a time of innocence, excitement, intense involvement, idealism, deep emotional connection, and reciprocal feelings. What we often don't realize is that our first love sets the stage for other love or loves that we will experience later in life. Having our first love relationship end, whether we are the one to walk away or the one being left, can have a profound impact on our lives. And Dr. Christine I. Bacho's research shows that across a number of cultures, the reported median age of the experience of first love has ranged from 13 to 17 years. She says first love is more likely to be experienced as unique and perfect with an emphasis on togetherness, sharing, and communication. Unlike more mature relationships, First love often ends when the couple simply outgrows it. And research suggests that people are more likely to fall out of love when they no longer perceive their partner as they had originally, but have come to view them as different in important respects. And the same thing can happen in mature love when the relationship shifts due to a lack of transparency that did not or seemed not to exist before a loss of respect, infidelity, and any other number of things. And when it comes to the end of our first love and even mature love, personal growth usually results, which helps to curb the resentment after the relationship draws to a close. And the second kind of love is the one that shows you what love is. It doesn't merely tell you or force fairy tale or movie expectations of love on you or create an unrealistic narrative on social media. Love is demonstrated through authentic, sincere actions that support and back up the words and day-to-day living. However, for whatever reason, this love does not stay in your life. Maybe you leave, maybe they leave, for reasons beyond our control or opportunities that will never come again, like a dream job or job requirements that force a departure, an unexpected illness or accident. It could be any number of things without malicious intent, but for whatever reason, the relationship does not survive, but has taught you what real love is. And many of you are probably saying that if you or the person didn't stay, then it's not real love. 
Let's be mindful that love is not always enough to maintain a relationship and many other things come into play that could potentially force one person in the relationship to sacrifice part of themselves to remain in the relationship, which may work for a time, but later may result in resentment, anger, and other maladaptive behaviors that neither party could have seen coming. Sometimes the best emotional partners are not good financial partners or vice versa. The third type of love is finding the love within yourself or self-love. I believe that you cannot truly love someone else until you have an authentic love for yourself first. And some people will never experience true self-love in their lives because they are too afraid to do the inner work. It's not easy work, but it is essential if you want authentic love in your life, regardless of what form it takes. It may not always be romantic love with a partner, but self-love is a must whether you choose to be single, happen to be single, and want to find a partner, or if you are in a romantic relationship, or even a friendship. I've ended a friendship or found it to be the final straw when someone who I thought was my friend was jealous of an $80 purse that I had bought, which isn't that expensive in the purse world, and of course to each their own, but for some reason this purse triggered all of her insecurities and she started verbally lashing out at me about spending my own money on this item, I think it was over a decade ago. And I had gotten it as a birthday gift for myself, and this is kind of a silly example, but point being, if you have true self-love, there is nothing anyone can do or say or have that will make you question your own worth. Nor is there any object or person that you can possess or be in a relationship with that will make you feel whole. You will not find self-love through external validation from others or from things. I have Chris McCandless's line from Into the Wild echoing in my head, things, 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 I don't want things. And if you need an item or another person, a partner to make you feel complete or whole, that is a red flag in that you need to do some work on self-love. And to clarify, self-love is not selfish or narcissistic. Self-love should not provoke an image of someone staring into a mirror at their reflection, which is the stereotypical image we get of a narcissist. So an important question to ask is, what is the difference between self-love and being a narcissist? Also, how can I tell the difference in myself and others? And what does healthy self-love look like? According to Dr. Andlieb Ashgar, the scientific term for self-love is self-positivity bias, which is defined as the way people rate themselves as possessing more positive personality traits and displaying more positive behaviors that, than the average population. Cultivating this self-positivity bias has many evidence-based benefits. But first, let's simplify the definition of self-love. Dr. Sharon Martin, whose specialty is helping people conquer codependency, says self-love is accepting yourself wholeheartedly, treating yourself with kindness, and prioritizing your health. There are many ways you can do this that's reiterated throughout the research. First, you need to take some time to explore self-compassion. You need to learn to be kind to yourself as you would be kind to a friend, and again, this can take many forms. 
It could be shifting or reframing your negative self-talk to positive self-talk. Self-kindness simply means being gentle with yourself, which you can practice daily. There's no need to punish yourself for little mistakes or setbacks. Self-kindness supports and helps us to face such mistakes and setbacks with positive and healthy coping strategies. Self-kindness does not have us stuffing parts of ourselves into our invisible bag that we will then be forced to repress and carry around with us for the rest of our lives, making it heavier and heavier with more stuff that we push down and do not deal with. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, check out the earlier episode on shadow work. And another thing we can do, which a lot of people struggle with, myself included, is setting healthy boundaries. Dr. Martin emphasizes the importance of recognizing and asserting your needs and communicating them clearly to others as well as prioritizing your well-being by saying no to things that drain your energy or compromise your values. I have personally found this one to be of extreme importance in my own life. I've also learned that if your boundaries are weak, unclear to yourself, or you don't maintain them, people will walk all over you, take advantage of you, disrespect you, and you will find yourself very unhappy and drained by existing in this manner. And setting boundaries does come with a warning that is hard to swallow, though. Note that setting and maintaining boundaries will shock a lot of people and sometimes anger them because they are used to getting what they want from you and may even cost you some friendships. But if that's the case, these weren't healthy friendships or relationships to begin with. Setting boundaries, especially if you have never really done it before, is hard work and may take some time, but is also necessary and well worth it in the end. After that, it becomes easier to set and maintain boundaries. It's kind of like learning to drive a stick shift. It seems impossible at first with all the moving parts and coordination, but eventually you will come to a place where you don't even think about it and it all flows together as if you've been operating this way all along. And self-love is often mainstreamed as bubble baths, wine, and chocolates, but this distortion isn't quite right. There is a fine line between self-love becoming toxic and turning into narcissism, especially with the pressures of modern society, social media, and constant social comparison at our fingertips. However, we are seeing a shift in the definition of self-love moving away from such narcissistic tendencies and aligning more with self-positivity bias, in which people are learning to better manage their emotions and their mental health in positive ways. In Dr. Ashgar's article, The Science of Self-Love, The Evidence-Based Benefits of Loving Yourself, Jeffrey Borenstein, president of the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation, is quoted saying that self-love is a state of appreciation for oneself that grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. Self-love means having a high regard for your own well-being and happiness. Self-love means taking care of your own needs and not sacrificing your well-being to please others. And we see the opposite of this a lot with caregiver syndrome, also known as caregiver burnout or caregiver stress, 
which is a state of physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion that is experienced by many individuals who care for a loved one who is aging or chronically ill. Teachers also experience a form of this burnout as well as anyone in a helping profession. And a quick side note, if you want to learn more about burnout, I highly recommend The Burnout Epidemic by Jennifer Moss. If you are in a leadership role, this is an essential read. A lot of our old practices that used to be deemed good leadership practices that we are still using are outdated and more harmful to the workplace than we realize, and Moss discusses all of this. And another way the research states that we can practice a healthy version of self-love is to create personal rituals. And honestly, I'm still exploring this one myself and defining what a personal ritual is to me. The research defines rituals as meaningful practices with a deep sense of purpose. This can include simple things like exercising or meditating or anything that you set aside time for and are certain to do. One of the things I see exemplified most in the research as an example of a ritual is making your bed every morning before you do anything else. And of course, there's the well-known book that I haven't read yet, but have gifted called Make Your Bed by Admiral William H. McRaven. This is a popular one amongst my high school students as well. But for me, and again, maybe I need to read the book, I fail at this every morning. I never make my bed, but I do get up at 4 a.m. and work out before work or else I will not do it, followed by my ritual of a cup of coffee and a protein shake, but for some reason, the bed making just doesn't happen for me. It doesn't stick as a self-care ritual. It is important to note, I do not beat myself up about it. It's just not me. And as I've said many times before, self-care is not a one-size-fits-all, and you have to find what works for you, and in this case, the bed-making just doesn't fit into my routine. And of course, if I'm expecting company, I will make my bed and put the decorative pillows and all the things, but during the work week, it's just not happening. And honestly, I'm so exhausted when I get home. Often I will take my adult nap for about 15 minutes, unless I have therapy or another appointment, but I usually feel like I come home to just prepare for the next workday and do it all over again. So there's my reasoning or justification for not making my bed every morning. Honestly, I don't do it on the weekends either, unless I have company coming over. It's not a great habit, but it's honest. To clarify the difference between rituals and habits comes down to how aware and intentional you are. The rituals consist of meaningful practices with a deep sense of purpose. To dig deeper into habits, you may want to check out Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is part of my stack that I mention at the top of every episode, and I'm sure there are many others, but that is one that I am currently rotating through as part of my Savory Reader program, which is part of my personal self-care routine, in which every Saturday and Sunday morning, I brew my coffee and read several of my books in my stack in 15-minute increments like changing the channel on the television and watching different programs. And I always don't feel like reading a heavy psych book or about marital affairs in Esther Perel's The State of Affairs. Sometimes I want something light or different flavors within the same sitting or want visual stimulation with The Rainbow Atlas by Taylor Fuller or draw emotional connections with Rupi Kaur's poetry. The list just goes on and on. 
And you may also have in place rituals that you don't even realize. Another way to practice self-love is to set aside time to self-reflect. Take notice of the positive things you do on the daily. What rituals do you have in place that you may have never realized before? Shift from blaming yourself when it comes to failures, and as Anne-Laurie LeConf says, fail like a scientist. I love that. Fail like a scientist. Regardless of the outcome of trying something new, we learn, iron out missteps, and refine elements of our lives for the better. This is having a growth mindset. To learn more, you can listen to prior episodes on growth mindset or read Carol Dweck's book called Mindset. Another great read for teachers, leaders, and anyone in any type of relationship from work to romance. Or if reading is not your jam, she has a TED Talk as well that you can watch. There's also an anticipation guide and other assignments in my TPT shop, The Lemon Tree by AKS, if you are interested. And again, there's free stuff, and on February 6th and 7th, there is a February sale where all items are 20% off and the free stuff is free year-round. And you can find a direct link on my website at thelemontreecoaching.com or in the bio on my Instagram at thelemontreecoaching. Okay, that was an unintended ad, but if that saves you some time in the classroom, I'm all for it. And BetterHelp explains the difference between self-love and narcissism as self-love involves a balanced, positive view of oneself that coexists with empathy, respect for others, and healthy relationships. Balance, of course, is a key word in positive psychology. Self-love isn't all about the self, but when we are our best self, we treat others better as well. On the other hand, Narcissistic Personality Disorder, or NPD for short, is marked by excessive self-centeredness, a lack of empathy, and a focus on self-aggrandizement at the expense of others. There is no balance here. And one of the most well-known examples of a narcissist in film is Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, played by Christian Bale. Another manipulative character is Amy Dunn from Gone Girl, played by Rosamund Pike. The character Amy presents with NPD, and she manipulates people in her life, including her husband, to get what she wants while portraying the perfect marriage in the public eye, which of course eventually crumbles. I found both the book and the movie to be excellent. And there are several other examples of narcissists in the movies that you can easily research online and analyze in film if you wish to do so. Don Draper from Mad Men is another classic example, and the list just goes on and on. But to recap, three kinds of love that we will experience throughout our lives include your first love, which usually occurs in adolescence, the second kind of love, which is the one that shows you what love is, And the third kind of love is finding the love within yourself or self-love. Sometimes I call this the journey back to myself. This is a really special and magical kind of love that is certainly sustainable for the rest of your life if you are willing to continue the inner work. Okay, so there you have it. In this episode, I talked about the three kinds of love you will experience throughout your life, self-positivity bias, and self-love versus narcissism. Recommended readings related to this episode include the articles, The Power of Self-Love, Why Self-Love Matters, and How to Get Started by Dr. Sharon Martin, 
The Science of Self-Love, The Evidence-Based Benefits of Loving Yourself by Dr. Andlieb Ashgar. Design Better Habits, Routines, and Rituals with the Intentionality Curve by Anne-Laurie LeCompfe. And Love Gone Wrong, Malignant Self-Love and Narcissism by BetterHelp. And other important resources include the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, dial or text 988 or visit 988lifeline.org in the United States, or dial 000, the National Emergency Telephone Number in Australia. And if you are interested and would like to receive daily inspiration via social media, you can join the Lemon Tree Coaching community on Instagram at the Lemon Tree Coaching. I post meaningful quotes from my weekly readings and recommend books from time to time. So check it out and see if it's for you. And teachers, you may want to check out my TPT store called The Lemon Tree by AKS. On February 6th and 7th of 2024, my shop is having the February sale and everything is 20% off in addition to items that are free year round. So check it out. My shop is The Lemon Tree by AKS on TeachersPayTeachers.com. You can find a direct link in the podcast bio or the podcast website, TheLemonTreeCoaching.com. There are some free lessons you can download or explore the shop for more. Again, my shop is The Lemon Tree by AKS on TeachersPayTeachers.com. And thank you for listening. This is Dr. Allison Sukamelli saying it's been a pleasure sharing this space with you. And until next time, have fun, be safe.